I am so excited to welcome you today to another edition of Hopeology with my husband, Pastor Bryant Pigram. I'm excited because God has used him in a profound way in my own life. And I know as you listen to these podcasts, God's going to use him in a profound way in yours as well. Hopeology is a place where we study the God of all hope through the pages of hope, the Holy Scriptures, to be inspired to live a life of hope by the grace of God. So I hope you found a nice, quiet place, and I encourage you right now to just take a moment to pray and ask God to help you as you listen through this podcast today, to open up your ears, to help you to hear Him, to open up your heart so that you can know Him more. Because I believe that God will answer your prayer today. So without further ado, here is Pastor Brian Pigram. As we begin today to open up and prepare our hearts to go before the Lord with the prayer of hope. I really would just like to take the time to just create an environment uh, that is right and that is conducive for uh, impact. And I believe that it's important by laying the groundwork. And so I just want to just share a brief teaching about faith to just encourage our hearts to cause our faith to come alive unto the Lord and really just begin to seek him in a way that is pleasing um, to God. So with that being said, let's just open up with prayer and then we'll go into the teaching. Father, thank you so much for this time, Lord. Thank you for this day. And we thank you for just this opportunity to seek your face, Lord, um, in this prayer of hope. We know that you are the God of all hope. And I pray that in this moment, Lord, in Jesus' name, um, Lord, that you would come to us, that you would speak to us, that you would cause your word to be made plain, simple, that you would truly give me the grace, Lord Jesus. I pray in this moment to, to break it down, to make it plain, and keep it simple. I pray that you would cause our hearts to be open, to hear your spirit speak to us, and that your word, Lord God, would encourage us, and that it would change us, that it would help us, it will heal us and cause us to focus upon you. And that, Lord, that as we seek your face today, that you will be pleased with us, that you hear our cry, and that you will respond according to our faith. I pray, Lord, that as we look into your word right now, anoint your servant afresh and give me the grace to explain it in a way that is pleasing to you. I pray. In Jesus' name, we bless you for it now. Amen. If you would, just turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, to Hebrews 11, verse 6. I'm going to start there. Hebrews 11, 6 reads as follows. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The word without, it means to not have, to be separate from, to not be in possession of. But another definition of this word without, it means to be unwilling to use what you have. Okay, so it means to not be in possession of, means you don't have it. But, or it also could mean to be unwilling to use what you have. That means you have it but you don't want to use it in this capacity, okay? So it's like going out to dinner with a friend and then you guys agree that it's going to be on the, the uh, meal will be on one check and then when a check comes, you look at your friend and you look at them like they should pay for it. And, you know, it's not that you don't have the money. You have the money, but you're not willing to spend your money for the meal. OK, so that's essentially what it's talking about here. It's talking about the idea that you have faith, but you're not willing to use faith or use your faith toward God. OK, now, why is this significant? The reason this is significant is because he, Romans chapter 12, verse three. Let me just turn there real quick. Romans chapter 12. Verse three says, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. The Bible says it says is that according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. That means that God has given every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. A certain degree of faith, a certain amount of faith. We don't all have the same faith, but we do all have a certain amount of faith that has been given to us by God. It's been dispensed to us. It's been communicated. It's been downloaded into us. It is already there. We are born with this. It's not something that we have to get. It's something we already have. Everyone has a certain amount. That's why it says, according as God has dealt. The word dealt is to dish out. You know what I'm saying? To dispense to. So God has dealt to every man a measure, a certain degree, a certain amount. Okay. So every person has a certain amount of faith that God has given them. So it's not a matter if we have it, we do have it. We all have a certain amount. The issue becomes what are we willing to use our faith for? Now, the truth of the matter is we all use our faith for something. You know what I mean? We all, if you think about this, we all believe in something. You know what I'm saying? We all just, so let's just deal with this right here. The word faith, it means to trust. It means to rely on. It means to see as reliable. The word faith, it means to put or have confidence in something or someone. To put or have confidence in something or someone. So, you can say that all of us have confidence and we put confidence 
in something or someone. So the question is what? What do we put our faith in, our confidence in? Some of us put our confidence in money. Some of us put our confidence in ourselves exclusively. Some of us put our confidence in other people. We put our confidence in our jobs. We put our confidence in money. We put our confidence in success. We put our confidence in many other things in this world. It's what we put our confidence in. You know, and some people we put our confidence in God, okay? But we can, we all have faith. The question is, what do you put your faith in? What is it you believe in? All of us believe in something. This is what is interesting about the idea of a person being an atheist because being an atheist is, in the truest sense, in order for you to be become an, be an atheist, it's not natural. Okay, first of all, because you're not born that way, right? You're not born not believing in God. Uh, in order to become an atheist, a person has to first evaluate the existence of God or the lack thereof. You have to look at evidence. And then once you come to the conclusion, uh, you say, well, I don't necessarily, you know, see what, you know, I want to see that, that convinces me. Then you have to come to this conclusion, right? You have to say, then I don't believe in God. So in other words, you're still putting faith in the reality that you don't believe that he exists. So it takes faith to even believe that God doesn't exist. So you actually have faith. That's why the Bible says that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has given to us a certain amount. Every person has it. That's the reason why the world is filled with so many different religions because man can't help it. We we want to find something or someone we believe in. Okay, so that's a misnomer. Okay, in that regard, so we all believe in something. We all have faith. Okay, we all put our faith in something. Okay, so so let's go with me back here. Hebrews eleven, verse six. It says it says so. But without faith, it is impossible. Okay, so a person has to have faith. It is the medium of exchange. In other words, if you want to bring something from heaven to earth, from God to you, a person has to use faith as a medium of exchange. Just like if you go to a store, you want to buy something, the medium of exchange is money. The, they have a product there. You, you take that product, you go to the, the checkout counter, you uh, give them your money, and they give you the product, okay? It's a medium of exchange. So the finances is the medium of exchange, money. And so therefore in heaven, it's the same process. With God, faith is the medium of exchange, okay? So so that being said, okay, so we all have faith. We all put our confidence in something. We all have a certainty that we have in our hearts um, as it relates to something in this world, okay? So it says, but without faith, it is impossible, to please God. When it's, you say the thing, if you think about when something is impossible, that means it cannot be done. It's weak, impotent, without strength. It means it is powerless to perform or to bring into existence. Okay? So when a person doesn't have faith, the Bible says it's impossible. It just can't be done. So what can't be done? Well, the next part tells you. It says it's impossible to please him. To please God is to, to gratify, to satisfy, to delight, to bring delight to, to bless, to give joy to God, to be acceptable to him. You see, or in another sense, it is simply to say to make God happy. It's interesting because 
a person wouldn't think that it requires faith to make God happy. But that's why it says he's it's right here in the Bible. That's why it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please him, to bring pleasure to God, to make him happy, to give him that sense, that euphoria of euphoria, the sense of blessedness, the sense of acknowledgement. Okay, that is what we're talking about here. You see, so God desires for a person to have faith and without it, it is impossible to bring pleasure to God, to make him happy. Okay, it's impossible to do. Now, I used to always wonder, why does God want a person to have faith in him? I, it's, uh, when I first got saved, this always used to just boggle my mind. I, I, I couldn't quite understand. I mean, it wasn't that I didn't have faith, but I always wondered why. Why does God want a person to have faith in him? Why is that important? Why is that a necessity? Why is he serious about it? Okay, why does God want people to believe in him? Why does he want us to have faith? Now, I would like to answer that question by asking another question. Why do you want people to believe in you? Why do you want people to have confidence in you? Why is that important? Why is that necessary? Okay. Now, the Bible says that man is made in the image and likeness of God. The, the word image knows the idea of like an x-ray. When you take an x-ray, the x-ray it shows you an image, but it's an image of something that's inside the body, right? So when the Bible says that we're made in the image and likeness of God, that means that inside we're, we have ways in which we're similar to him. And it says we're likeness, made in the likeness of God. There's ways in which we're like him. We think like him. We, we process things like him. We see things like him, okay? And so there's ways in which we have these things. Ours is just kind of messed up and sometimes it can be in a dysfunctional way because of sin. But we actually still have ways that are like God, okay? And so... Why do you want God? Why do you want people to believe in you? Okay, now let me just give you just a, a, a few a few reasons. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but these are just some of the reasons why you want a person to believe in you. Okay, first of all, it makes you feel good. You see, when someone puts their confidence in you, it makes you feel good. They, it's a blessing to you. You feel blessed. The word blessed means to feel, to be made to feel good or something good is happening to you. Like a curse is something bad happening to you, okay? So, so you feel good. There is that sense of euphoria. You feel this overwhelming blessedness, okay? That's number one. Two, it gives you joy. There is that place where you are made happy. There is this place of great elation. When a person demonstrates confidence in you, okay? Thirdly, it motivates you. It motivates you when your children have a need, they need advice, and they come to you, and they don't come to you for advice, and they look in your eyes, and you can look at them, and you can see that they really believe that as a parent, you can help them. They see you as their sole source of wisdom and help in the moment 
And when they look at you like that, there's something about that that motivates you. If you don't have the answer, you do everything in your power to find the answer, okay? When someone expresses confidence in you, it stimulates you. You know the word stimulate. It means to be excited, to be stirred up from the inside, okay? So when a person believes in God, it excites them. Just like when you believe, when someone believes in you, it excites you, okay? And then third, and then fourthly, excuse me, it strengthens you. There is a strength that comes to you when someone puts their confidence in you. There is a strength that you feel because faith is designed by itself to, to, com to communicate strength. That's what it's designed to do. Okay, it means that you acknowledge the strength that is in someone. And so when you feel that that, that person is putting confidence in you, it actually makes you feel strengthened. You feel strong. Okay. And then lastly, I'm going to say this. It causes you to understand your sense of value and purpose. When someone puts their confidence in you, it causes you to sense that you are valuable and that your life does have purpose. It has meaning. And if nothing more, it has purpose and meaning in this moment, in this person's life, by them expressing confidence in me right now. Okay? So, so when a person puts confidence in you, it causes you to sense the beauty of your human existence. That's what you feel. In that sense, it's such a great blessing. It is, it is one of the, the, the reasons when God has created us, that when you feel that, you feel the reason that you were put on the earth. You understand? So, so there you go. It, you, you're blessed in that regard, okay? You understand that in the Bible, and I'm not going to turn there, but in Mark 6, verse, uh, verses 2 through 5, the Bible says that Jesus was in his own hometown, and it says that he could not do many miracles because they didn't believe in him. They didn't believe in him. He says the only thing he could do was lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. But this is what the Bible says. It says that Jesus marveled at their unbelief. You know what the word marvel is? The word marvel is to be shocked. It, it is mean to be to, to be in a, a state of awe. You know, it's like Jesus could. The Bible only says that Jesus was uh, mar, only marvel two to three times. This is one of them. In the Bible, it says that he marveled. He looked at their fact that they couldn't believe in him. And Jesus said, wow. Wow. He was astonished. He was amazed. And so you have to understand that faith, when a person puts their confidence in you, what it does to you. If we are made in the image and likeness of God, then when we put our faith and confidence in God, then the same things happen to God. Now, God, God doesn't necessarily feel his sense of value because he understands his state of value. That's the reason why he demands that a person has faith. You see what I'm saying? That's the reason because God understands his value. He understands who he is. He understands his, uh, uh, the state of his existence. And so God understands that when a person acknowledges him for who he is, it says that the person appreciates who he is. When a person chooses not to put their faith in God or to not trust him or put their confidence in him, 
then it depreciates who God is. And so because God understands who he is, he is he demands that a person acknowledges him. Okay? It's just like how you are, right? If someone ignores you, you typically want to ignore them, right? When a person acknowledges you, then you typically want to acknowledge them. You can say in its truest sense, it's like you reap what you sow, right? The Galatians, right? So in that regard, all right? And then lastly, as we come here, as I'm going to just close down here, it says that for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, so, so watch this. So now you have everything together. We believe in God. We have our faith. We put our confidence in him, in him. We please him. We bring joy to him. Watch this. It says, for he that cometh to God. Now the word come, it means to, uh, to approach, to draw near. It means to worship or it means to visit. So we have our faith and then we decide we want to visit God in prayer. We want to come into his presence. We want to approach him. We respect God's protocol. The protocol of the kingdom, the protocol of the king's court. Okay? And so we come into the presence of God. It says that we must believe that he is. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That means we, we must believe that he is who he says he is and that he can do what he says that he can do. Okay? And then it says this, watch this. The last one here is this progressive point, or I would say the power point. This is where it says, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God doesn't ask a person to demonstrate faith and confidence in him for nothing. That's why I love this passage of scripture so much, right? Because it says that he is a rewarder. This word here reward it means to pay off to pay off what is due it means to give pay for things desired it means to pay for things promised under oath this verse right here in the bible hebrews eleven six, everything that's in the bible is an oath that god has taken it is a promise that god has made to believers, to those who believe in him. He's made it to man. He's made it to the whole world, okay? It is an oath. In other words, he bounds himself by this oath, okay? So this is what I love about it. He says, if you have faith and you believe in me and you bring pleasure to, pleasure to me, you make me happy, you bring joy to my heart, you bless me. He says, when you come to me and you believe that I exist, he says that I will reward you. I will pay you for demonstrating confidence in me in other words i will not leave you hanging okay it's just like when you go to work why do you go to work god understands watch this that we are creatures who are motivated by a reward right when you go to work when i go to work we go to get paid whether it's every week whether it's twice a week whether it's twice a month whether it's once a month it doesn't matter you go to work sick you go to work tired, you go to work sometimes hungover, you, you go to work upset, you go to work under emotional strain because you're motivated by that payday, okay? So God is saying that when a person believes in him, God says you should be motivated. My motivation to you is this. If you believe in me, if you approach me right, if you come to me in the right capacity, he says I will pay you handsomely. This is what I love about the scripture. It's so powerful. It says God is a rewarder, okay, of them that diligently 
seek him. Now, this word diligent here, watch this. It means to, to, to work hard at something. It means to be investigative. It means to search out. Watch this. So what God is saying is that if you're going to seek me, you have to be in, you have to be an investigator. You got to put your investigative hat on. You got to be an investigator. You got to, to thoroughly search God out. You have to thoroughly search out your situation. You have to thoroughly search out yourself. These are things that I think that in order to really have faith, you have to process these things. You have to be thorough. You have to search them out. You have to think them out. Okay. So this is what a guy is saying. He says, I reward people, but there has to be diligence. There's, you have to work hard at this. You know what I'm saying? It, it doesn't mean that there's sometimes you can pray one time more than God will answer you. That is true. But there are other scenarios in life that God requires a person to work at it. You have to pray multiple times. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes you have to be relentless in your prayers, right? So, so, so this is what God is saying. Diligence is the example is like when you buy a house, you know, and you go through the process of the due diligence period, right? And, you know, you put up your money, your earnest money, but then you have a certain period of time in which you have to go through your due diligence. You have to do your research about the house. You have to, you have, to have it inspected. You have to look over the inspection. You got to process it. Watch this because what you have to do is make an educated decision if you want to proceed forward with the purchase of this house or not. Correct? And so, so, so this is what God is saying. He says, now, when you search for me with all your heart, when you work hard at it, God says, I will reward you. I will pay you for your search of me. I love this so much about God that he doesn't ask us to do it for nothing because he understands that we desire to be rewarded. None of us desire to waste our time. You understand? And so you may be here listening to me right now and you may say, I hear what you're saying, brother. But man, I don't believe in God. I do not want to use my faith toward God right now. I just don't want to do it. You might say, listen, I'm mad at God. I'm upset with him. I tried praying before he let me down. He left me hanging. And you might say, you know, at the end of the day, in the truest sense, I do not believe in God. What I would say to you today is that it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you do not believe in God because God believes in you. You say, well, how can he believe in me? I don't believe in him. How can he believe in me? Well, the reason that God believes in you and us because God understands our state. The Bible says that he understands that we are dust. God remembers and understands the things that we've gone through in our lives, the traumatic events that we've experienced, the hurts, the pains, the agonies. You know, God understands how we were raised. He understands the dysfunction of our lives. He understands that there are things that sometimes they trip us up. And so what God does in the truest sense is that God knows that as sinful creatures, we need someone to believe in us. We need it. Our hearts long for it. You see, God is not just demanding, hey, have confidence in me. What God says to us is, I have confidence in you. That's one of the things about the Bible that talks about when Jesus was born, which we celebrate Christmas. It says this. It says that when the angels appeared to the shepherds in the field, that they said, glory to God in the highest. 
and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. A goodwill offering is like what the, what the Indians would do, the Native Americans, is that when they would meet with someone that was perceived as an enemy, they would have a meeting with them, and in the meeting they would give them a gift. They called it a goodwill offering. And the goodwill offering was to say, no matter what you think about me, if you think I'm upset with you, if you think I see you as an enemy, I want to give you this gift to say I don't look at you like that. It's to say I believe in you. It is to say I believe the best about you. And it is to spark the other person to respond in like manner. And this is what God did when he sent Jesus. When he said peace on earth, the angel said peace on earth, good, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. In other words, God was giving man his best gift. It wasn't like God had 100,000 sons to give. He only had one. And it was the, he was the best that he had, all that he had. And he gave him as a goodwill offering for us. God believes in you. He loves you. God is calling you. If you're listening to this podcast today, you know exactly what I am saying. Hear God's voice today. And as we pray, I just encourage you, close your eyes. Use the faith that you have. And know that God wants to hear from you today. He loves you with the precious love. That is indescribable. It is impossible to articulate. The love that God has for us. It is impossible to communicate. Human words are too weak. They're too futile. To communicate that. But suffice it to say. That his love for you and me. Is extravagant. And God calls us to his presence. Because. He created us to be there. He wants to bless you. He wants to offer you that the things in this world cannot offer you. Hear my cry as I speak on the behalf of God today. And may the Lord bless you and change you and heal you today. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you so much today for this opportunity to speak your word in this moment to your people. I pray, Lord, for every person that hears this word. Every person, Lord God, that is listening to me, they have lost their way in life. Meaning, Lord, they don't believe in you. They don't know where they're going, but they want to believe in you, God. Lord, if you're, Lord, if, they, if they're there, they're listening to me right now, Lord, draw their hearts. Show them that you love them, Lord. Touch them. Lord God, I pray, cause their hearts to be split wide open by your love, God. And cause them to raise their hands and to surrender to you. That they will be found by you in this moment, oh God, in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, draw them to yourself. I pray, Lord Jesus, for every person that is depressed right now. 
Lord God, they are down. They, Lord God, are confused. Lord, they are feel like they are in the dumps of life, Lord God. The trials, the tribulations, situations, Lord God, have them under their thumb, Lord, and they cannot get up. Lord, I lift them up to you right now, Father, in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that you lift their burden. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will pour out your love, the liquid love, God, into their hearts, into their being, Lord, in a way that they have known, never known before. And, Lord God, that it would lift them, it would change them, it would transform them. It would cause them, Lord God, to, Lord, to exude and breathe, Lord God. It would cause them to inhale your love and exhale, Lord God, all of the toxins of life. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name. I pray for every person that is sick right now. I pray for Shirley, Lord God. Lord God, who's challenged with cancer right now, Lord God. I speak your holy word, Isaiah 53, 5 over her. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed in Jesus' name, Lord. And I speak that Shirley's here. I lift up Deborah before your God. Lord God, who's challenged with cancer right now, Lord, I lift her up before you, God, before your presence, and I pray, Lord, have mercy, God. Send your word, Isaiah 53, 5, to heal, Lord God. You said you send your word to heal them of all their diseases and all their destructions. Send your word right now, God, to heal her and to heal every person right now, God, who's dealing with some type of sickness, whether it's mental, whether it's emotional, God, whether it's in their bodies, whether it's spiritual, whether it's psychological, but whatever it is, whether it's financial, or whatever the sickness is, oh God, Send your word, Isaiah 53, 5, to heal them at their core in Jesus' name. And I bless you and I praise you. I thank you for doing it, oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hopeology with Pastor Brian Pilgrim, where we study the God of all hope so we can live a life of hope by His grace. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, we invite you to follow, like, share, and support so this word can continue to go forth and change the lives of many. And remember, God sees you, and He is reaching for you today so that you can live your best life yet. Won't you reach for Him too? Until next time on Hopeology with Pastor Brian Pegram, God